Hello, today is Friday, March 1st, and welcome to episode 304 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debate shaking up America. I'm NSI's senior fellow, Lester Munson. I'm joined today by my fellow senior fellows, Bishop Garrison and Morgan Vigna. Today, we're going to talk about a a new initiative this week from the Department of Commerce, which has asked for public comment on the question of data shared by connected vehicles and whether that data could be a national security threat. Some of that data could end up in China or other countries, Russia, countries of very much concern to the United States. What are the prospects for some sort of regulation here? Is it wise? Is this the kind of thing we should be worried about? What are the limits? Uh, How much should we be concerned? Bishop, uh, thanks a lot for joining us this morning. It's great to have you on the pod. What are your thoughts about Gina Raimondo's initiative here? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I think the secretary is making a, a great move here because, again, this this is not an outright effort to regulate the industry. This is a an initial step that's going forward to ask additional questions, to kind of uh, make a little bit of an investigation to say, what are the actual capabilities of this system and how is this data being potentially utilized by uh, by the companies that are capturing it? Because this this is broader than just China. While China is a major uh, concern in regards to this type of technology, this is about foreign adversaries generally. And we know that we've had issues, again, with uh, Chinese hackers, with uh, uh, Chinese state-based, to be clear, state-based, uh, state-supported uh, hackers, uh, with uh, uh, Chinese um, entities stealing IP So it's even broader than just the privacy concerns. We're talking about IP. We're talking about privacy. We're talking about national security here. So I think to take this initial step and just say, whoa, who has what type of capabilities and how can they be leveraged against uh, these types of connected vehicles? Because it also begs the question, well, how might this type of software be used in the Internet of Things and other uh, types of smart devices? I, I think just to stop and ask this question is really important. Morgan, uh, I am the proud lessor of a red Tesla, uh, and it is, in fact, like driving around a giant phone. Uh, feels very much like it. It's it's a lot of fun to drive, but it is a little different than, than the regular car, and it's clearly gathering a ton of data on what I'm doing and what is going on around me and that kind of thing. How concerned are you about this kind of data possibly getting into the wrong hands? Look, I mean, I, data collection now, I mean, we're seeing so much data collection, by our phones, by our cars, you name it. And I think when we're talking about EVs in particular, this is just one of of many examples that I think we should be considering when it comes to um, how China is sort of infiltrating our markets um, and and using uh, not only only collecting data, but data utilization itself. Um, And so I I think all of those questions that you posed at the top, Les, are incredibly valid. It's something that the administration is going to have to start thinking more strategically about. It's something that Congress, particularly the China Select Committee, um, I know is digging into a lot more. And so this is, I think, just just one example of, of, of many, particularly, you know, we had talked previously about um, the space industry um, and, and, and how uh, the Chinese state, the, the PRC, um, is, is so heavily invested in that, whereas we are more invested in it from the commercial side. Um, so, I, again, I think these are all very, very good questions that 
um, we should be thinking about moving forward. But again, this is one of, I think, many examples that uh, we're going to be seeing in terms of how um, industrial policy shifts into and, and, and sort of connects to the, the national security of the United yeah. States. If I could just add to, to that, something that Undersecretary uh, Estevez said on this was a more connected world means more potential vulnerabilities. And I think that really encapsulates what's going on. So, Morgan, uh, thanks, guys. So, Morgan, I hear the phrase industrial policy. And as a free market Republican type person, my skin starts to crawl. Uh, let's let's let me play devil's advocate just for a couple of minutes here. Uh, China is the manufacturing powerhouse of the world. It can build things cheaply, quickly, efficiently and generally pretty well. Its automobile industry is surging. Uh, it is already the world's largest manufacturer of electric vehicles, which is clearly where the market is going. How much of this might be uh, simple protectionism on behalf of the United States and behalf of our the folks in our commercial sector who who are being threatened by, you know, yet another cheap, good product, you know, what you could call good product from China? Uh, please. Thoughts here. Morgan, I'll go to you first. It's a conundrum. It's a conundrum lesson. As a free marketeer, I am wildly uncomfortable with um, protectionist policies that would um, sort of disrupt the market uh, or the free market, I should say. Um, but generally speaking, I think that there is a line that is going to be crossed at some point. And right now, I think that line is very gray between at what point um, does industrial policy uh, cross into national security, and to what extent does importing Chinese vehicles, which, by the way, have incredibly high tariffs on them already, so they don't actually have a very robust presence in the United States as it is, but to to what point um, does crossing, you know, crossing that line into the national security space where you have data collection on on, on Americans, and and to what extent that actually poses um, a national security risk? These are these are questions that I, I don't think we necessarily have answers to right now, but it's something that I know Congress and the administration are clearly taking a, a very close look at. Bishop, let me give you a little wrinkle on it. Uh, what if China starts selling us really cheap electric vehicles that will save the planet from uh, climate change? Is that really such a terrible thing? Well, I, I don't think uh, in and of itself that would necessarily be terrible, but I also believe in the American auto industry, and I think they're going to be able to be competitive uh, and uh, create a better uh, product at the end of the day that people will want to buy into more if that were the case. Uh, now, th that being said, no one is trying to fight China on their ability to buy this stuff. We're just protecting our, our interests here in terms of uh, protecting the, the American people and, and, and national security overall. We're asking questions. No one is stopping anything at this point. Uh, we're not building out any specific uh, regulations as of yet. Uh, we just want to understand more what the capabilities are, because I, I, I we kind of talked about this in terms of, you know, that the, the potential um, hazards or potential harm this could create. But like there are the future technologies, uh, these cutting edge things that we just don't understand fully how uh, our adversaries may be able to use it use against us, as Morgan uh, kind of was saying before we kicked it off here, talking about, you know, the Bond villain uh, that has the ability to to build out these crazy things. I, I, I think we're seeing more and more that science fiction is cap is catching up with reality. And uh, we need to understand more, like, are you telling me that a hacker is going to be able to to break into your shiny, beautiful red Tesla and, uh, and do some harm? You know, like a, run a stoplight, run into a tree? I don't know. Um, and I think um, 
uh, Secretary Armando is is smart and right, and uh, Undersecretary Estevez, when they just say, "Hey, we need to take in more data on this and understand how this data is being used." Morgan, I'm going to ask you a Hill nerd question. You mentioned the China Committee, uh, chaired by our good buddy, uh, Congressman Mike Gallagher, who sadly is retiring. That China Committee could go away at the end of this year. The the control of the House could flip. That committee might not be there. It was a Republican initiative. For the most part, although it was bipartisan, it may not be there. It doesn't have any legislative authority. We're seeing a little bit of energy in the executive here frankly, which is maybe maybe this is a good thing, but how confident are you Congress can handle this? There's like 18 different committees that have jurisdiction here next year if, if the China committee goes away. So can Congress act? This is a cross-jurisdictional issue, and it's it's one thing that I know has caused um, some heartburn on behalf of, of some chairmen who, who, who have jurisdiction over um, the China space. Um, but at the same time, though, I mean, I, I think you're, that's a real question for, for House leadership, you know, whether that's Mike Johnson or, you know, Hakeem Jeffries, you know, in the next Congress leading, leading the Congress. Um, I, I know, you know, if Congress does flip, Hakeem Jeffries has said before that he is, you know, favorably, you know, disposed towards the, predisposed towards the China committee. So I, I think there's a chance that, you know, if, if Dems take the House, there's a there's a good chance it stays, um, but I also think um, if if Republicans continue to to, to maintain a majority, um, it also has a good chance of of being reauthorized. So um, I'm I am optimistic. Um, you know, clearly, you know, Chairman Gallagher has done a, a remarkable job at bringing light um, to this issue. He, he and you know and his ranking member have really done a, a remarkable job at really focusing in on U.S. national security and how that and, and how China affects the, the security of the average American. And so um, while I do think a lot of other committees that have a piece to this um, could and should certainly play a role here, um, I, I think that continued laser-like focus on China um, is, is probably, you know, something something good that the United States needs to maintain momentum on. Bishop, we're going to keep that committee next year. Yeah, I, I believe so. I, I think, look, you got strong bipartisan support uh, of, of this issue. Uh, Andy Kim has been uh, right there uh, uh, being a, a strong uh, liberal leader in terms of uh, holding China accountable. You have a tremendous uh, a wealth and expertise in uh, progressive national security experts who are uh, members of the House right now, veterans. So you're going to continue, I think, to see the type of support, kind of the type of uh, bipartisan uh, uh, work, work across the aisle that Morgan kind of laid out. I mean, and we should all be thankful for that in the sense that this is one of the few issues that uh, they can definitely get along on and understand the importance of, because again, we're trying to ensure that we protect uh, the interests of the American people while uh, ensuring that capitalism has the opportunity and ability to continue to thrive the way it has for generations in America. You know, I'm a a, a Dem. I I don't try to hide that at all, but I I also uh, am a capitalist and I believe in what uh, America stands for and opportunities uh, it presents uh, through many of its industries. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. Uh, an opportunity to provide proper protections and uh, to continue uh, to have um, the, the correct uh, level and, and oversight necessary for these industries to, to properly thrive. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks so much to Devlin Burney, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Monday, March 4th for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debate shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube. 
So check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard or saw, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe.